I just wanted to remind us of something I mentioned in the, in the, in the previous session, uh, which is about looking at everything in the context of, of God, looking at our lives in the context of God. And I just want to put this somewhere. I'm not sure where I, where I could put it. Let me put it up here, maybe. Well, let's stand up there. Yeah. Now, let's just imagine that this, this is your life. There may be some of you old enough to remember that that Eamon Andrews used to bring a book out, a red book, saying this is your life, but this is completely irrelevant. Right, this is is your life. Imagine that this is your life, okay? Now, now we might focus on this as as it, particularly if if we're not living life in the context of of a God. This this is it. And so we, we think that all our thoughts... Are, are really clever thoughts, really important thoughts, and re- everything's really, really important because this is it. But actually, if we think of ourselves in the light of eternity, then it's not just about that. But if you can imagine it just, it's about all of this bit as well. And it's about this bit as well and this bit and so it's, it's all of this and so it goes on and on but are we living our lives as if that is significant in the context of all of this or are we living our lives as if this were it because we have choices. And the choices we make will depend upon whether we look at life just like that or in the context of everything that God has for us. And if we are thinking of our lives in the context of the whole picture, then we need to make some decisions about how we live our lives. We need to make some decisions about the important things and the valuable things in our lives. What are we going to invest our time in? Are we going to invest our time in just this? Or are we going to invest our time in the context of an eternal God who loves us and cares for us and gave himself for us and has hope and has purpose for us and has life for us? We can make decisions. And we can make those decisions by, going back to the passage we were looking at, listening to his voice. If we listen to the voice of the shepherd, the shepherd will lead us where we should go. Sometimes the white noise of life is so, so loud that it's difficult to listen to the shepherd. We're so busy doing stuff in the context of that bit that we might not hear the voice that is relevant to all of the rest of what we are and what we do. Uh, my son is a wonderful, um, <clears throat> amazingly well-balanced preacher's child, <laughs> and um, he, um, as a teenager, he would put, he, would, he still does actually, put things off. He just didn't, wouldn't deal with stuff, and um, went to a parents' evening for him in his sixth form, and um, his, his teacher said, that's great, but he just doesn't... He'll do some stuff, but then he won't do his homework, and he won't do all this other stuff. He's putting stuff off. We got back from the parents' evening. We sat him down at the kitchen table, and uh, we said to Matt, well, I said to him, Matt, 
I said, you have got a problem with procrastination and you need to deal with it. And he said, I will, Dad, but not now. <laughs> you know, we, have, we have choices to make and the question is, are we going to make those choices now? Are we going to change things now? Or are we going to say, not yet? I know, I know this is true. I, I believe this. I really believe that there's a God. I believe that, that what we do is relevant in the context of an almighty God who has a plan, who has purposes for our lives. Our lives aren't meaningless. They have full purpose. But I, I'll just put that off for a bit to another day. Or are we going to make decisions now? Are we going to get rid of the white noise so that we can hear the voice of the shepherd? Are we going to be like those sheep coming down from that hill in Jordan? When they heard the call of the shepherd, they all followed. Or are we going to wander off a bit more like a goat than a sheep? How will we behave? You know, goats are, as I mentioned, much more independent. They will wander. But occasionally you will get an independent sheep as well. And they will actually cause some distraction and some difficulties within the flock. There's a great author by the name of Philip Keller who was a shepherd and a bit of a theologian. And he wrote a lot about shepherding. And if you are interested, then I'd recommend some of his books. But he said, sometimes there are sheep that you try and work with and you, you try and stop them being independent. But sooner or later, if they carry on being independent, you have to make a decision. You either have to give them away or kill them. Now, I know that's not going to be true with Jago, with any of you, so don't worry. He doesn't want to give any of you away, and I don't think that you're allowed to kill any of them. Um, so, uh, um, but you, if we're independent as sheep, we've got a bit of a problem. We need to be independent, interdependent, part of the flock, caring for one another, looking after one another, and helping one another. If we're not following the voice of the shepherd... What is it that we're following? Whose voice are we listening to? What are we worshipping, actually? Paul says in Romans 1 and verses 24 and 25, he said, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. And the question I think it's really important that we ask ourselves is do we worship the Creator or are we worshipping created things? And I have to check myself on this all the time. You know, Jesus was speaking in that passage in John 10 to the religious people. He was speaking to the Pharisees, and we could say, oh, it was the Pharisees. They were terribly legalistic, and they were this, that, and the other. They were the good guys, actually. We can be very critical of Pharisees, but they were the people who were going to worship. They were the people who were reading their scriptures. They were the people who were teaching to the best of their knowledge and belief what they believed to be the revelation of God to their generation. The Pharisees get a bad press, but we shouldn't give them a bad press. They were trying to do the right thing. And Jesus is talking to them and saying, hang on a second, listen to the right voice. You're getting distracted. You're not listening to the right voice. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. Are you worshipping created things? Are you worshipping your career? Or are you allowing your career to be a place where you can serve God? 
Are you worshipping your possessions or are you allowing your possessions to be something with which you can serve God? Are you worshipping your bank account and the amount that you have in it or are you allowing your bank account to be something that can be used for the service of God? Because none of those things are bad things. It's great to have a good career. It's great to have a good bank account. It's great to have nice possessions. But are we worshipping God and using what we have as good stewards, or are we worshipping those things? It's a slight, it's just a little shift. But the question is, whose voice are we listening to? Is it the voice of the world, or is it the voice of the creator of the world? And so, I think it would be really good to just have a think about that. Um, You know, we are... We're sheep, my friends. And sheep aren't always the brightest animals. I don't know if you've ever seen a sheep being sheared. They struggle for a while, and then they go, they just flop. And they flop, and they are completely malleable in the hands of the shepherd. And God calls us to come to that place where we are prepared. We've, had, we've struggled a bit because we don't quite like the fact that the shepherd's going to take our, our, our fleece away. But actually, we come to the point saying, all right, have your way. And so what I'd like you to do is just, just for three minutes, just turn to some people around you and just have a little conversation about which voice you're listening to. Is your will surrendered to the will of God? That's the question. Is your will surrendered to the will of God? Hudson Taylor, that great missionary, said this, the real secret of an unsatisfied life, so the opposite of the good life, lies too often in an unsurrendered will. So as a sheep of the great shepherd, the good shepherd, is your will surrendered? Are you prepared to be a sheep? That's the question. Are you prepared to be a sheep? Just have a little chat about maybe just one area of your life. Think, actually, I think I could do better in this area of my life. Or, yeah, I actually think I have done quite well with surrendering this aspect or that, that aspect. So it might be that you want to speak to people that you know. It might be that you want to speak to people you don't know. It might be that you don't want to speak to anyone. Goat. But just have a little chat amongst yourselves about your surrendered, your surrendered will. And that, well, there'll be three more things we're going to chat about as well. But first of all, the surrendered will. Well, hopefully there are some things that you're thinking about where you're saying, actually, there's some stuff that I'd like to bring to God. I'd like to surrender this. It might be the whole of your life in some way. You may never have surrendered the whole of your life to Jesus. And today you're thinking, actually, I really want to do that. Or it might be a particular area where you're thinking, yeah, I've been holding on to that for myself and my own plans and my own purposes, and I want to surrender that uh, to Jesus. It's really important that we find people that we can be accountable to and with, that we can share these things with, because unless we share it with people, then we will never do it. That's my experience, uh, that it's when we're accountable one to another that we find people that we can share with. We can, t- we can talk to them about the highs of the journey and the lows of the journey. Now, I have this desire at St. Thomas Norwich that everybody in our church will have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. That everybody will have someone that they can go to to receive wisdom from. 
a Paul. Everybody will have someone that they can bring their experience and their, their ability to disciple to, a Timothy. And everyone will have a Barnabas, someone who will encourage them and walk with them. Someone that you can go to and say, do you know, I'm really struggling with this area of my life. I've, I've stepped back into this particular area of, of sin. And I want to deal with it. I want someone to help me walk through that. A Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. And you know, if we all did that, then church would just thrive. We would thrive. We, we would really grow as, as Christians, as disciples. Because ultimately, that's what we're here to do and to be. We're here to be disciplers and to be discipled. I often say to people, this is a slight aside. I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, you know, <clears throat> Jesus paid for me. He bought me. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid for me with his blood. I belong to Jesus Christ. And when I go shopping, which doesn't happen very often, when I go shopping, if I buy something, I take it home to be with me. I do not leave it in the shop. But I haven't gone home yet. I'm an alien and a stranger in a foreign land. That's here. My home is in heaven as yours is. Why am I still here? and not home, if the one who has bought me has, has given everything for, why has he left me here? Well, he's left me here because of the job to do. He's, he's left me here because there is a purpose to my existence on the planet now, and that purpose is to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that he has taught me. That's why we're here. We're here, and in that context, if we're putting it in the context of shepherding, you know, the sheep are those who are being discipled by the shepherd. They're being taught, they're being led, they're being taken to the pasture. And as disciples, that's what we do. And as disciples, that's what we do. So that's my little aside. Okay, so a surrendered will. Um, <clears throat> so the second thing I want to say, so the good life is a surrendered life. The second thing is a good life, the good life is a slower life. It's a slower life. We sometimes work as if God is dependent upon us for the sustaining of the universe. Bad news. He doesn't actually need any of us to sustain the universe. You know, there have been people who have lived and have died and things still go on. Jago will go on holiday and there will be a church here when he comes back. The, the, the world is not ultimately dependent on us. God's will and purposes are not ultimately dependent upon us. We can slow down. Because if we don't slow down, we're going to burn out. The slower life is the good life. Jesus said to uh, Martha, when Mary was sitting at his feet, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. She was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, of course, we're called to action. We're called to activity. We're called to do things. But we're also called to slow down. We have got into a terrible rush, as I read that quote from Matthew Kelly. And if we don't slow down, we will not hear the voice of the shepherd because we'll be going off here, there, and everywhere. If we just stop and listen, we will come into a loving union with the shepherd 
and we will hear his voice. The good life is a slower life. One minute, talking to the people around you. In which area of your life do you think you could slow down? One minute. A quick chat. Hopefully and prayerfully, you won't just talk about that, but you will actually do it. You will actually put things in place which will allow you to slow down, to find space, to find time. As I mentioned earlier, I just love walking my dog, just getting out and spending time uh, walking my dog. It gives me this lovely opportunity to engage with God and to engage with with God in creation. And I love seeing God in his creation. Just spend time giving time over. Spend time giving time over to God, over to you recharging your batteries. Because if we keep giving out and giving out and giving out, we are like tanks that will become empty and we need to put in. If we don't put in, we'll have nothing to give out. And I'm very grateful to a preacher by the name of Wayne Cordero who uh, preached a, a, a talk some years ago now called Dead Leader Running. And in that talk, he, he was saying about how he was doing all these amazing things as a church leader, how he was running the church, how he was running a, a charity alongside the church, and how he was doing all sorts of things with, with outreach. And at St. Thomas Norwich, we um, now have a, a, a charity and a trading company. Um, on the 13th of August, we're going to be opening our pub, which is going to be really exciting. So, um, and it's right next to the church, there was a pub called The Mitre, of all things. And um, it was being run as a a Chinese uh, restaurant and takeaway, uh, as a front, we're pretty sure. um, And uh, some other things were going on. I can't say exactly what they were, because that would be defamation. Um, uh, But we're pretty sure we know what was the upstairs the building was being used for. And uh, we do a lot of work with um, anti-trafficking through International Justice Mission. And so it just felt right for us to get hold of this building and to redeem it. And um, so we're going to be opening it on the, on the 13th of August. We will be selling beer um, and wine, um, but uh, in the context of having meals together and, and, and various other things and engaging with the community. So um, we want to change people's perception of what church is and change people's perception of what, what we can be do and do as Christians. And so we're really excited about um, opening that. But the danger is there's all this stuff going on. And Wayne Cordero was saying, there's all this stuff going on for him. He said he ended up going out for a run one day and ended up sitting on the, on the curb and just broke down and, and, and cried. And he had a breakdown. And uh, sometimes in, in, in all our areas of life, and thank you, uh, Johnny, for sharing um, so openly about that. In all our areas of life, the pressures of living the 21st century life can be so great that we get to the point of thinking, my goodness, how can I handle all of this without completely collapsing? And I listened to this talk, and I put some things in place in my life which have really helped me. And one of the things that he was saying was about filling the tank up. But he said, you, you know, the good life is a balanced life. You know, we need to balance our lives. And if we don't, then there'll be a problem. And he says, you know, we have uh, balance. I'll try and get this to balance if I can. We, we have balance, and, you know, we might have church on this side, and we might have work on this side, and family is, is around about, and we have all these different pressures coming to us from all different angles. He said that sometimes the pressure here gets too much, and so the whole thing will collapse. He said, but what we must do is move our fulcrum. If you move your fulcrum, so if the pressure is in relation to your, in your work for a season, move your fulcrum towards it. 
If your pressure is in church, then move your fulcrum towards it. If your pressure is in relation to the family, move your fulcrum towards it. So if you haven't been giving enough attention to your family, and there's pressure in that context, move towards your family. Deliberately create more time to be with your family. If there's something for a season that you need to do at work, um, you know, I guess being an MP may cause you to be quietly pressure, slightly pressurized in your, in your work. So you, you might be moving your, your... But if it stays there for too long, it will also be a problem. But you might need to come towards that for a season. But it will, it will keep balanced. It won't keep balanced if we don't move the fulcrum. So a balanced life is really, really important. What's the fourth commandment? See how well you've taught them, Jago. <laughs> Go on, be brave. Yeah, it's the Sabbath. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath. It comes above, don't kill anyone, and don't have an inappropriate relationship with somebody else's husband or wife. That's how important the Sabbath is. How many of us observe the Sabbath? Well done. Praise the Lord. Good. Absolutely. I'm beginning to learn to observe the Sabbath. And it's taken me, I've, I've been a Christian for 27 years. I lead a church. I'm, I, apparently, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. But I've only just really understood the significance of Sabbath. You know, because the pressures will come in work, and the pressures will come in church, and the pressures will come in family. Glastonbury, that amazing festival, is not going to happen. I think, is it next year it's not going to happen? And it's not going to happen because they want to leave the fields fallow. If Glastonbury can do it, my friends, then so can we. Let's leave our fields fallow. One day a week. The Lord worked for six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. He deliberately rested. What is it that we think will happen if we don't rest for a day? If we don't invest in our relationship with God and those around us for a day? What's going to happen? Is the world going to stop revolving? No. Is the church going to collapse? No. Is our work going to be taken off by somebody else? No. The people who, are, who have been incredibly uh, successful from a business perspective historically, the Jewish people have been so effective, haven't they? And they have observed the Sabbath. Yes, we are people under grace. We're not under law. We're under grace. But the same God who set up the universe and did everything in a seven-day pattern and had an order to what was happening is the same God that we worship now. There is a pattern and an order and a balance to life. And I would encourage you to think about having a Sabbath. Read this in Deuteronomy 12, uh, 5, verse 12 and verse 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And a, a guy who writes about this stuff called Peter Schizario says this. Uh, he says this, if I can read where he says it. The key phrase in this command is, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord God brought you out of there. He says, observe the Sabbath, remember you were slaves. My friends, we were slaves. 
We were once slaves to sin. And through his amazing love for us on the cross, Jesus Christ bought us. He paid for us. He redeemed us from slavery. We are free sons and daughters of God. We are free to be the sheep of his pasture. Not to be goats, but to be sheep. His sheep, his flock, his possession. And he leads us through the, through the week. He'll lead us through what we need to eat, what we need to do. He'll lead us through the valley of the shadow and the dangerous bits and the easy bits. And he will make us lie down in green pasture. The green pasture of Sabbath. Remember that you are slaves and you are no longer slaves to sin. You are now slaves to the king. Yeah, we're slaves to one or the other. As slaves to the king, we follow the king's rhythm. We follow the king's pattern. And we live according to the king's purposes and will. And so can I encourage you to spend one minute talking to those around you about thinking about observing the Sabbath. What does it mean to you? What do you think about that? Do you think I'm talking crazy stuff? You know, can we really do that? One minute. What I, what I hope is that those little discussions that you've had will just be provocations to you to carry on those discussions, to find people that you will be accountable to and with about these things, because the good life is a surrendered life. The good life is a slower life, and the good life is a balanced life. I want to just end with, with a couple of things. Peter Scazzario says this, instead of thinking of the Sabbath as an imposition, we need to embrace it as an essential delivery mechanism for God's love. Why would anyone want to miss out on something like that? It reminds us that life is more than work. Life is about God. Life is about God. And just as the, the sand of time has run through this, the sand of time will run through for you too. You know, we live as if we're immortal, but we are mortal. The great thing is that we are eternal. The question is, how will we use our mortality? How will we spend our lives? Because they will be spent there will be a day when all the sand will have run through and we will have finished this mortal life. The question for all of us is, how will we live the days left to us? How will we invest them? How will we use them? Who will we follow? Whose voice will we hear? Whose plan will we accord to? For the good life is the life lived according to God's plan. The good life is the life lived according to the voice of the shepherd. And as his sheep, if we do anything else other than follow the voice of the shepherd, I would suggest that we have missed the point. And at the end of the day, we don't want to get to that point. If only, if only I'd have stopped, if only I'd have surrendered, if only I had slowed down and if only I'd worked out my rhythm and my balance in my life, then I would have been like those sheep that are led in and led out. 
I would be like those sheep who are taken and put in the pasture, who are led beside still waters, who even when it comes to the last, and I'm led through the valley of the shadow of death, I will know that he'll be with me. I want to be a sheep for Jesus. I want to spend my life listening to his voice. How about you?